Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Step Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to all the shit I've learned abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Hi, Steph. Steph, you did an episode this week without me. I did. I'm sorry. It wasn't the same without you. I know. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I don't <laughs> mind. I needed a little break, so it was all right. Um, but I'll just let you tee up this this episode. We did another interview this week. Yeah. So this week, I was able to talk to Will and Jessica of World Towning, and they have actually been traveling the world for over six years now, full time with wow. their kids Avalon and Largo. So that is wow. Layered. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know if I'd have the patience, but I guess if they were my kids maybe I would. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, right? And I mean, talk about being set up to grow up to be an amazing human. But they are currently in France and they are, you know, before COVID hit, they were set to explore the world by sailboat and they are now currently Living on a sailboat docked in France. Docked. Yes. Yeah, we mentioned that in uh, last week's episode with Brady from SV Delos, didn't we? We did, yeah. They were going to learn how to sail and then everything just came to a halt. Yes. So we chatted about that and so much more. So here it is. I'm here with Jessica and Will of World Towning. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I was really excited when I first came across you guys and heard your story. I was really excited because a long time ago and what kind of made me the person I am today is that my mother actually went on a singles cruise when she was doing her own thing. And she met, you know, as you do when you're traveling, you meet amazing groups of friends, you bond really quickly. And she met a group of people who decided they were going to buy a sailboat and sail the world together. And so often we do these things and they don't actually say these things and they don't come to fruition, but this group actually did it. And every single person sailed the world except my mom, because she was that generation where you get a career and you work until you retire and then you travel. So she told me her biggest regret was that she didn't go on this trip. So when I saw you guys were doing this, I was like, this is, it just, I've had an emotional connection to your story. So I'm really excited. I'm going to ask you straight out of the gate. Can you explain a little bit about what world towning is and the concept of world towning? First of all, thank you so much for having us um, today. And your mom's story is a story we hear a lot. So I can really relate to that as well. Um, 
it's 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 unfortunate that sometimes we just don't get to do those and that's that's kind of why obviously that's why we took off to do this when we did we just didn't want to wait because we just didn't know if you know if we waited that time would ever come so world towning is a word that we created putting two words together world and towning <laughs> and it is a philosophy it's living and changing the world one hometown at a time and so we've, we've we've morphed this into a business but when we first started it was just our way of traveling and we wanted to make a deeper connection to the places that we traveled rather than just kind of passing through as tourists and kind of taking what we wanted or needed from the place we wanted to immerse deeper into the culture and learn about the people and make local friends and really create these mini world towns or mini towns around the world that we felt connected to um even if it's we're only there for a couple of weeks or even if we if we ended up being there for a year or more just a place that we felt connected to while we traveled um, and had these experiences and making friends around the world and a couple of years ago we took this and turned it into a business and with, from the business standpoint, what we do is we actually coach people on how to live this lifestyle because there were so many people reaching out to us saying, I can't possibly do this. You guys are special. Not everyone does this. You must be rich. And we kind of felt this compulsion to help people because obviously we love living this lifestyle and we think it's amazing, but kind of getting from living the stationary life to living this travel life is is huge and when you're sitting in your stationary life you really feel like it's impossible and it's something that other people can do and you cannot do so we started off being coaches and then through world towning and then we developed group trips for people that didn't necessarily want to go and live in a country for several months at a time but wanted to experience the world the way that we travel mm -hmm. um, which is really immersing into local culture and staying away from the more touristy areas and then along the way as well um we developed a YouTube channel. And do you want to talk about the YouTube channel for yeah, a second? So, so we essentially, you know, it's, it's funny because our whole evolution from like a social media standpoint, because of, of sort of, we started off with, with a blog, Jessica actually started blogging before you started traveling. Back in the 1800s. Back in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 then we, once, and then once upon a time, we, we bought, a GoPro just on a whim, just because, well, quite frankly, I bought it because I was alone at the sporting goods store. It was on sale and no one, no one's, no one's there to tell me I, I shouldn't buy it. We don't need that. <laughs> I like and that. So I like I, that. I, I, sort of, I took myself upon that whim. <laughs> and, and when I, when I first, you know, started playing with it, I started to realize, um, you know, what, what amazing technology this is. This was back in 2013. And, you know, starting to put together those stories, I started to ask myself, well, what can I do to enhance the, the blog in terms of creating stories? Yeah. And, you know, one thing led to another and we started telling better stories visually. And, you know, our, 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 our focus transitioned from written content to now visual content. And, and I love it because I think we can tell a, a better story in our, in our minds because, you know, when you, when you add sort of an emotional context that is more than just typewritten, typewritten you know, and every, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, but we actually like the visual and uh, I, I really like it because it, it tells exactly what our, our mission is all about and our, our family philosophy is all about and what it's like to travel the world. And so world tanning 
has evolved over the years. It originally was just kind of our philosophy of how we were, how we were traveling and how we like to travel. And we found that people had a connection to that and wanted mm-hmm. to either change their life or, or vacation differently. And so it's, it's taken on kind of a life of its own. And, you know, if we're going to think grandiose, we really hope it becomes a movement where, um, where not because we we necessarily want the notoriety, but we want this this word world tanning to become you know not a household name. I don't know if it'd be a household word, but you know I something know more mean, common yeah. for people where they're 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 skipping kind of the Disney trip to go and world town yes. for a month in maybe a developing country of what they'd spend at Disney for a week. So that's oh. kind of that's the kind of the trajectory. We really hope um, that people will kind of embrace this this philosophy and and take it to the next level and, and live a little deeper and experience cultures. I love that. And Will, you actually mentioned there. We should just say as a family. So you guys are traveling with two children. Was this was traveling with children something you always envisioned? Were you waiting until you had children, or is it just the, how the stars aligned? It wasn't, let's put it this way, there was never a master plan, so to speak. Our, our master plan was um, to live our life the most richest as possible. And however that sort of materialized and, and opportunities sort of passed our way. And, and we said, you know, yes, no, maybe depending on the circumstances. And once upon a time, um, when I was at a job back when we were living in Los Angeles, there were, there were opportunities that were being thrown out there saying, you know, do you want to live abroad and work in different offices? I work for a multinational corporation mm-hmm. and the, you know, I, I turned to Jessica and I said, you know, this is something that, you know, it's, it fancies us because we like to travel. Uh, we have a, you know, a very small child. Our first daughter was, was or our only daughter, our, our only daughter was uh she was like about two years old at the time. And we thought to ourselves, this is, this will be a great opportunity to see the world and to sort of to share experiences with them that they couldn't get otherwise. And, and that was essentially the spawn of what started our travel journey Um, was, it was a potential for an expat uh, position. And as much as that didn't materialize because, well, it's a long story that we're not going to get into now, but, <laughs> but we kept on chasing that dream. And, and, you know, we knew that, you know, we had a purpose at that point to go ahead and sort of start doing this with our kids. If, if, it's funny because if it wasn't for a possible expat opportunity, I don't think we'd be here right now. I, I don't think so either. I think that just kind of fell into our laps. I mean, like he said, it never came to fruition. But it got the balls rolling and it got us thinking. And we thought about and thought, well, I guess we could live like this. This might be an interesting path to take because Will and I were living in Los Angeles. And although we've lived, always kind of lived a minimalist life, we were on the track. Um, We, you know, buy a house, buy a bigger house, bigger car, climb the corporate ladder. We were on the quest to acquire and grow um, from a financial standpoint rather than necessarily from a mental standpoint and happiness level standpoint. That's kind of what's drilled into yeah. us as Americans. And, you know, we've, we come from families who are very um, successful in their, in their paths. And that was kind of the trajectory for us. This, this, this life right now, I, it, I can't, it, if I think about myself at 23 and will at 26, when we met, this oh. would have never 
ever cross my mind of how we'd be living our life. Not that I didn't want it. It was just like, well, this is not what grownups do, right? This is what someone in their 20s does for six months to a year. And then they go and they get responsible and have a real life. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's amazing how it's changed over the years. And I'm so incredibly grateful that this has been our path, but I never could have predicted this 20 something years ago when I met Will, this was, was not on the radar at all in our travel life, in creating our business world towning, um, all centers around our children. And some people may listen to this and say, but it shouldn't always be about your children. For us, it, it has been. Why we travel is because of them. Because like Will said, we want to we want to them to be global citizens and experience the world and have memories over buying stuff and develop a tight bond as a family. And when we set out doing this, we didn't, you know, we didn't know if that would come to fruition, but that was our dream. And now six plus years later, I can tell you honestly, that it really, really worked out. And whenever Will and I are having a tough time and 2020 has been a tough time um, for everyone, you know, across the board, um, we always go back to our why and our why is absolutely our two children, our time with them, their education, um, every bit of it. So I think if you're asking for that kind of that big reason why or that we started out doing this, it, it, it is them. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I think that's something, I mean, I hopefully they appreciate it at this age, but no doubt they will as they grow. So now I'm going to get to your journey soon. I promise of what you're currently doing, but can you give our listeners kind of a bit of a storyline about, um, you know, where you started, where you've been, um, that led you up pre COVID up to 2020. Well, we started off um, when we left the United States back in 2014, it's 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 interesting because every single time we get asked this question, I keep thinking back to 2014. It wasn't that long ago. Now it's sort of <laughs> we're in a new decade, so it actually feels like it's quite quite a distance <laughs> away. Um, but we were we were living in Boston at the moment, and we we wanted to give ourselves um, the experience that we were we were looking to get, which was living in a culture that was different than what we were currently existing in. Um, and so our options were, you know, we, we could e- easily go to the UK, we can go to France, uh, but we wanted something that was a little more off the beaten path, but we didn't want to give ourselves, put ourselves in a position where we were doomed to fail because everything was so unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. So as much as we wanted to go to, you know, perhaps um, somewhere in, in like rural Africa, India, uh, that, that didn't sort of, that didn't work out for, for journey number for stop number one. And, and we landed on Costa Rica. Uh, we heard that it had a very um, solid infrastructure politically. It was sound. Um, there was a lot of, of opportunities to get assistance if needed. And quite frankly, we wanted to, like Jessica said earlier, we wanted to make sure that we, we succeeded, not failed and sort of ran back home going, we can't handle this. Although that was never part of our psyche. Um, so we did that. We did Costa Rica for a year. And what we realized is that it was a little bit too easy. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, Costa Rica is nice. It's, there's a lot of, of expats there, a lot of sort of Americans there. And, and as much as it's great that sort of you can get anything you want, uh, it wasn't necessarily the experience that we were looking for because there was just, we felt like it was a, a Central American country that was being groomed for Americans. And we didn't want our kids to, to sort of feel like they were, the ones being catered to, we wanted to feel like we were the ones sort of being invited 
into their culture and learning about mm-hmm. their culture. I'm going to asterisk that a bit because Will said it was easy. Yeah. I think I'm going to change <laughs> Will's word easy if he doesn't mind to familiar and comfortable mm-hmm. because it was it didn't feel too foreign to us because there were a lot of Americans there, but it was by no means easy. Our transition to Costa Rica, and I know he was talking about something else, was really incredibly hard. And I'm going to let him continue with our journey, but I think it's important to add this in because everyone thinks that, you know, when they check the boxes, cross the T's, dot the I's, if they're going to go off to dreamland like Costa Rica, and it's going to be about monkeys and coffee mm-hmm. and waterfalls, right? Yeah. And we had a horrendous transition into this new lifestyle it was nothing because of Costa Rica. It was just completely changing our lifestyle. It's like going from living in a city to going to living rural on a farm. Like it was yeah. a complete transition and it was a struggle. I like to forget that part. I know. See, that's, I, 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 like that. <laughs> I was wondering why you left that out. Well, and we, and we did have another transition very similar when we moved into the RV and we're into an, we're in another transition in the boat, but we'll talk about that later, but I'll let him continue mm-hmm. on our story. I just thought that was necessary to bring up. So if we have to bring in the doom and gloom. Um, so yeah. So when we first got into, into Costa Rica, everything changed. You know, we, we yeah. started homeschooling for the first time. Uh, we started working remotely for the first time. I'd left sort of my career. Uh, we left without a job. Jessica was still a graphic designer, but I, I'm, I'm an accountant. And the company I worked for did not, um, I guess, have the vision of having me work remotely. Mm. So, you know, I had to sort of start fishing for work and everything else. And it was a whole, it was a total 180 and, and 100% bummer from that perspective, because everything that you knew to grow and love about your life routine got thrown on its head. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, t- takes a toll on you and it, you realize that you know that you're not made of steel you realize that you do have emotions and you realize that you know you hide any sort of discomfort um, around a a routine that sort of gives you comfort and once you strip yourselves of of that routine you know you're vulnerable and yeah. there's no fun in that um we we eventually got through that we eventually got ourselves situated where we were okay um you know employment came back and life became rosy again. And at that point, when I said life became too easy, that's when Costa Rica became too easy. Um, (laughs) You know, we had income coming in again. Um, You know, we were going where there was a McDonald's just about on every corner, it felt like. And we were living in, in, in San Jose and not necessarily on the coast. And so we were, uh, we were ready for something different. And that point we realized that we wanted to get to Ecuador. And because we heard there, Ecuador was like the true, yeah. cultural experience that we were longing for <laughs> and plus it was like dirt cheap too so not to say sort of we Enough. wanted sort of cheap mm-hmm. but but we wanted we wanted affordability because costa rica is also super expensive for yeah. costa, for a central american country so we did that and it was great and it was it was honestly everything and, we wanted in a, a cultural experience and that transition was I don't know, three weeks. During that transition, Will was someplace in Asia. He had gone back to work for his company. They allowed him to go working remote. He was traveling about 50% of the time. He left Costa Rica. And when he came home, he came home to Ecuador. And I transitioned. The kids and I packed on our own. We transitioned. Everything was really, really seamless. And now saying this out loud, I'm thinking maybe Will was the problem in the transition <laughs> to Costa Rica. <laughs> We've just We've talked pinpointed about, the Right? Time. We've talked about this story a million times. I'm raising my just, hand saying, of course I was. Listen. Just you know, dawned on me. If, if, you, if you work in a corporate environment for, for, you know, 15 plus years, and next thing you know, you get that taken away, you, you're like, well, who, who am I? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So Ecuador, we transitioned really well. And then after that, we moved to France. Again, another seamless transition. We spent a lovely 10 months in the south of France. And then you want to take it take it back from there after that? We realized that that sort of we had it too easy. 
Um, once again, we, 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 for some reason, we just, we just don't settle on our, our, on our laurels and say, you know, okay, life is good. Let's just enjoy this. We try and push the envelope just a little bit further. And then at that point, um, while our, our time in France was going along awesomely, uh, we were, we were checking out everything in the Provence area and there was so much to see around here, but we started seeing people in RVs exploring this area, sort of checking into places, checking out and realizing that, wow, this is actually kind of nice if, if we could do something like this. Well, I think also the catalyst for the RV was the kids. Listen, RVing is every kid's dream and I think almost every parent's nightmare because you're like, what? We're going <laughs> to yeah. live in a tin box with and all sleep in the same room? That's insane. I don't even want to do it for two weeks, let alone years. But the kids had been begging us to do that since we mm-hmm. left the U.S. for Costa Rica. And we had said... Uh, you guys, that's a, that's an expense. We don't we don't we're, we only have one income when we just moved to Costa Rica. Let's wait until kind of all, everything aligns, the income is stable, and then we will consider it. And they kind of held us to that. We saw a lot of RVs around the south of France, and they were like, <laughs> "Are we going to do this? What's going on?" And Will and I finally caved, and, and we, we 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 hunted one down. And what we realized is that, well, I mean, when you move to Europe, you realize one thing as opposed to being in the U.S. is that vehicles are substantially smaller. And that yes. also goes for RVs. Mm-hmm. So when we were looking at RVs, we realized that if we were to get something that was to accommodate all four of us, um, we would have to be very uh, compromising on the amount of space that we'd have as a family. So all that being said, we moved into a 21-foot RV for four of us. And we, we realized that um, our goal for the RV would be a little bit more than just you know, joy riding around France. We set ourselves a goal to go see every single country in Europe. And Amazing. Yeah. So for two and a half years, uh, we were on the road and, you know, it wasn't that we were on vacation because we still worked, oh, yeah. but we were at, we were at the point where, you know, during the weekends we did go out and explore. And then during the week we'd hunker down either at a, a campsite or at a, what you call an air, which is sort of like a free camping location. Yep. And, and we would just, you know, get our work done and we'd do our thing. You know, the kids would do homeschooling. We would do work and we would learn and we would be part of the local culture wherever we were, uh, you know, being at the coffee shops and getting to know the locals, you know, on a more, I guess, intimate level, because it was just, it was that we were like part of their lives and it was great. There were some, there were certain countries that we went to that was maybe we were there for like a week because yeah. unfortunately it just timing didn't work out too great, but there was other countries where we were there for, you know, several months. And, you know, we, 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 we walked away from that experience. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. Thinking to ourselves, there's nothing we can't do. Yeah. yeah oh. If we can live in a tin box and most of the time in freezing cold Europe, you know, just under seven meters with a teenager and an almost teenager, we can do anything. And mm-hmm. once we've accomplished our goal, we sold the RV and our next plan was to spend a year in Asia, a month in a country at a time, um, just one country in one spot. And we we have teenagers now, so we we operate the family very much like a democracy, not a dictatorship, and everyone gets a vote. So everyone got to pick three countries that they wanted to spend a month in and, and also pick very the cool. city or town or village they wanted to stay in. And we headed out and our first country was Japan and we never left Japan because COVID <laughs> happened. So we ended, we ended, <coughs> excuse me, we ended up being in Japan for five months. And long story short, we, we could see that COVID wasn't going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. 
Um, our plan for Asia was not to spend a year in only two countries and also be kind of restricted. And we could see that Asia wasn't going to open up. And still to this point, it's not open. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision. Um, our daughter said, listen, we're not really a family that can just go sit in an apartment someplace until COVID's over. We need a project. Yeah. And initially we looked at buying kind of one of these old homes in Japan that you can get for just no money and then rehabbing it. Um, but that really didn't seem to work out. So we flew back to France where we have visas and we were starting, to, we had appointments to look at real estate. We started looking at houses. We were going to rehab a house here until COVID was over and we could get back to traveling. And across our radar came this boat mm. and getting a sailboat has been on our list of things we wanted to do maybe one, two years down the, down the road. But this boat was a great deal and it was in France and it was easy for us to visit it. And long story short, we bought the boat. And now we're on the boat. Well, and I have to admit, the reason I was so excited when I first heard about you guys and was learning more about your story that I wanted to talk to you is because the idea of doing a boat and traveling around the world on a boat is something I've never done it, but it's what framed my entire thinking towards travel. Because as I was growing up, my mother, you always learn, you know, your parents, you think everything's hunky dory. And as I got older, I remember once asking my mother what her biggest regret in life was. And she said that when she was single, she went on a cruise, like a singles cruise and met this whole big group of friends. And they all made a pact that they were going to buy a boat and they were all going to travel around the world together on the boat. And oh. they all did it, but her, she had the corporate job um, and they all went and did it. And she never went. And that was her biggest regret. So as I grew up knowing that story, now, my question I always ask myself is, will I regret this one day if I don't do it? Um, so when I heard your story, I was like, okay, <laughs> like they are the people who do it. So sorry, I digressed there. I went off a little, but you have the boat. And where are you and, with it and right we now? Are now in, okay. Yeah, so we're now in, in Southern France. I mean, going on from your story, it's, it's, it's funny because every decision we make, we make it with the thought that, you know, yeah. If if oh, it's almost it's almost it almost feels like it's 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 irresponsible. But what mm. we make every decision we make, we we say, why not? You know, it, yeah. it it goes it goes with with the whole thought that you know what we can wait, sure, but then wait, I guess for what? Because you you're always chasing that perfect window when things are going to go right, when mm -hmm. when everything is taken care of, when everything is sort of you know put away, and all your projects are are sort of completed and. If, if we did that, we would, we would still be in Boston. We yeah. would, we would, you know, your story. Okay. So I'm a little, I already have really bad allergies and I try to curb them a bit on podcasts, but now I'm a little sniffly after hearing your mother's story. <laughs> My <laughs> eyes started to water because, you know, we hear this story a lot. People send us emails, they message us, they, they comment um, about regrets and, and Will and I, you know, like he said, we, we do live our life by what you said about what will we regret? Now it used to be when we were 40, what will we regret when we're 60? Now that we're in our late forties, it's, Oh, well, what will we regret when we're 80? <laughs> that yeah. age keeps getting yeah. upped. But I think it's, it is really important to, to think about those things of what will I regret? Um, when I'm either I'm unable to do it, right? Because we always say there's always time you can do it age should not be a restriction, but sometimes things happen in our health that we hadn't predicted mm -hmm. as we get older and we're unable, we're unable to do it. So I think 
I think it's really interesting that you listen to your mom with that and it and it's had an impact on you because Will and I do the same. Every single email I get like that, I read and I respond to them and I feel their pain and I, and it really I take their wisdom and I, and I listen to it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that's part of the reason we jumped on the boat when we did, because frankly, to realize our biggest kind of craziest adventure during COVID times um, is a pretty extreme um, jump to take. And it was pretty mm-hmm. extreme for Will and I. And I think if this was our first year of traveling, we probably wouldn't have done it. But because we've been doing this for so long, we know what we're capable of. We know that things will work out. We know it's going to be hard. We know there's going to be transitions. And we're in all of that right now. We are totally in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, But we know it'll work out, right? And the alternative, it's funny because Will and I just dropped our bikes off to get some repairs on them this morning before we got on the (laughs) podcast with you. And on the way back, I was saying, you know, when times are tough, we think of the alternative. Do we want to be back in the U.S.? Um, we're doing a nine to five where things seem smooth and calm and whatever, and we feel balanced and we have a structure and a schedule. And then after a couple months, we're like, okay, why did we do this? You know, so it, I think we, we think about all that stuff. Very, We're very, very conscious of what we're doing and the decisions we're making and the regret we might have going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess I was going to ask if you are being on a boat recording out in the middle of the water, but I guess if you were picking up your bikes this morning, <laughs> you're not out on the water right now. Um, no, we're at a marina. You're at a marina right now. I was, it's funny because we're talking to about, um, you know, planning and really thinking things through, but to the same degree, I was watching your video about your, um, your boat trip. And it seems like you did take a bunch of leaps as well. Do you maybe want to talk about that a little bit? Or, um... Yeah, we took a lot of leaps. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess the first leap is... Um, we don't know how to sail. We don't know how to sail. Uh, <laughs> that would be that would be a good thing to this... know before you buy a boat. Is, is uh, Do you want to be on a boat? Um, the second leap is that, you know, like we mentioned, it's COVID. So we were kind of on a rush to the finish line mm-hmm. to get the boat and get the lessons taken care of so that when COVID got worse, we would at least have the ability to kind of sail out of the harbor, practice and come back each day. And we missed that window by 48 hours. Oh. So we are right now we're, kind, we're just stuck on the dock and it's not horrible. We're learning our boats. We're fixing our toilet. You know, where the kids are working ahead on school. Will and I are working through our business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of leaps taken with this and also taking this big of a risk because boats do come with expenses in 2020, when we have a travel-based business that it's on pause is very scary as well. We've tightened our belts. Um, we have savings. Like I said before, we, when you say, and when we were talking about making sure you're planning in this lifestyle, especially if you have a business that, that can be volatile, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having money and savings and having the ability to know how to tighten the belt and live frugal is really, really crucial. So yes, a lot of, do we have any, do we have any others that I haven't mentioned? Well, well, here's the thing, because, (laughs) because I mean, sort of everything is, is a, is a measure of ups and downs and the measure of, of what is truly up and down is, is hindsight. And, and in our case, you know, we went ahead and we jumped on the boat because we're like, let's go, let's do the boat because, because otherwise we'd be in lockdown in an apartment in France. We couldn't go to the local mm-hmm. sort of home fix-it shop and take care of the things we want to do when we wanted to do the whole remodel. And this was the perfect timing. And, and yes, I agree. It's still the perfect timing. Me too. I totally but, agree. But 
you know, and then when we got the news that we said that we heard that our our, our lessons were canceled because of lockdown, we were, we were totally just on a down slope because yeah. you know it's like oh my gosh, our whole and intention for for what we wanted to do on this boat is just being thrown out the window. So that weekend, we binged on Netflix, ate a ton of chocolate, <laughs> cheese, yeah. and wine, wallowed in our sorrow a bit, and then said, "Look, we're on a boat in France." We knew they were risk doing this. This is the lifestyle that we have chosen. Let's dust ourselves off and figure this out. So come Monday, we started boat repairs. We accelerated the kids' school schedule so that they can get done early. And we just hunkered down. Right. The silver mm-hmm. lining to all of this is that we now get to learn what it means to be on a boat. And, and, and <laughs> in all reality, knowing our, our, the way that we, mo- we move and the way that we sort of get things done, um, you know, I think that you know, the lockdown, you know, for, for the reasons that they were in place, which was to save people's lives also probably saved our lives Yeah. because I don't think that we would have been in a position <laughs> oh, where no. we would have been, you know, well-equipped to do what we want to do if we would have sort of rushed through the lessons and rushed through the, the getting ourselves able to actually sail, we would have done it, but we would have made a lot of mistakes. And we are yeah. now at the point where we can take things a little bit slower things are better and we are we're making the mistakes on land where we have support systems in right, place right where uh <laughs> you know like if we clog a toilet there there's a guy sort of you know yeah. 100 yards in the shop that can help us you know fix it you know it, it's things like that it's it's funny because when we were in the rv um and the reason why i think the rv was so special for us is because it wasn't necessarily just all the countries that we visited and that was really cool too because it was nice to see sort of you know culture through a lens that was not necessarily ours but it was also seeing other people in rvs meaning that you know there was there was a lot of you know a lot of retirees in europe that sort of bounce around in their in their motorhomes as Mm -hmm. they try and escape winter and a lot of the people that we spoke with and i think that for me was was what's one of the most profound aspects of being in the rv was talking to the other people who were traveling and there were you know, for the most part, retired. And they would say to us, you know, what they were doing in their lives and how they achieved sort of where they are now, where they can go about uh, living in in a motorhome, sort of seeing the world and so forth. And and that it was a great story, but you can see that their energy level was like next to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not not looking to go ahead and sort of, you know, disparage them, but, you know, they, they lived their lives the way they wanted to. And now they're rewarding themselves, but their life is now, you know, taking the nap in the middle of the afternoon, which for me sounds great right now, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it reinforced sort of what we're doing and, and that circling it back to where we are on the boat now, um, you know, sometimes you need something higher than, than yourself to sort of hold you back and make you take that rest. And mm-hmm. for us, like this COVID pause, you know, t- the timing that it is right now, I think something supernatural came out to us and said, slow it down. Yeah. You have no idea what you're doing. We've been moving really fast for years, working, schooling, you know, building our business, exercising, trying to find couple time. And I think this, this has given us the pause that we really needed to just move a little bit slower and read all the books and do the theory classes online and learn our boat and, you know, learn how to unclog that toilet so that when we're out in the middle of the ocean, there's no one to call, right? And now yeah. we can hang out with those other retirees that are out here <laughs> right on the dock going, when are you taking that nap? That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Did you find there were many parallels between, you know, being cooped up in an RV to now being on a boat or are they very different environments? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's a great question. There's more room on the boat. Yeah. On the boat, everyone has their own cabin, which is a bedroom. Okay. Um, and we have two heads, which are bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not lived in a space like that um, since we lived in Ecuador. In Ecuador, everyone had their own room and we had several bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Since then, we have lived in very small places and most of them one room. So that being said, that's very different. And I think that's really it depends on the kid, but I think that's really important right now for us because we have a 13 and a 16 year old. Yeah. And although they don't spend a ton of time in their room, it's nice for them to have another space to go to. But a lot of some of the systems are the same. The idea of living in a space that's very fragile and a, and a bit volatile in the sense of right now we're dealing with um, moisture. It's a constant battle with a dehumidifier mm. as it was in the RV. And when we had a dehumidifier in a house, it was so much easier. Okay. So there's a lot of kind of repairs. Those are, those are definitely parallels. Um, not much has changed like with our work and our school in the sense of how we operate that. That, that was kind of a seamless transition. Mm-hmm. Um, the community is very similar. Um, it's a lot, like we said, it's a lot of retirees. We, we have seen in the last six years more and more um, um, 20 and 30 somethings and then 40 somethings with families traveling for sure. I mean, obviously not since COVID, mm-hmm. um, but that that's changed a bit. Um, but there are a lot, there are a lot, of, there are a lot of similarities um, between, between the two. Wouldn't you say, well, a lot of parallels? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, it, it's, you know, boat life, at least where we're at now, it's, it's a different game. It's a um, lot harder. It's, it's a lot harder. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and you, you see, I mean, there's, there's more scrappy people, I think, on RVs than there are on boats, um, okay. at least from what we've seen. <laughs> and well, the, the learning curve, obviously everyone, it's a very small learning curve to learn how to drive an RV. I mean, most people already know how to drive. It's just a transition from driving a car or truck to an yeah. RV. Boat is a whole different, I mean, we haven't even started. We've had some sailing lessons in the past, but we haven't done our big sailing lesson where, where we're equipped and insured to kind of go off on our own. But there definitely is a big, big learning curve. And I think, I think it's one of those things that's going to be a constant learn for the next however long we stay on the boat. Yeah, and I imagine there's quite a difference between if you break down in your RV sitting and waiting for help to come to you versus something going wrong out in the open waters and having to figure out how to get help from there. I'm absolutely very different um, situation to find yourself in. Um, I'm going to ask quickly and then we'll jump back. Um, And this is a selfish question. When you were doing your RV trip around Europe, what were kind of your biggest takeaways or lessons learned or things you hadn't thought of? I mean, the reason I ask is because right now I have a storage pot in my driveway and I'm putting my house into it. And I bought a caravan and we're 
taking off in two weeks to go just travel around Australia. Same thing. COVID timing seemed right. Um, but we've never been in the caravan before. So oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I think the biggest thing that we realized being in the RV is, is that when we launched, we had, we had no schedule. Uh, we knew that we wanted to be at certain places during certain sort of milestone moments, such as uh, when we had guests that were come, that were going to come visit us, you know, for, okay. for the holidays. Yeah. But we didn't really have an agenda that was etched in stone. You know, we didn't say, well, this this week we we're planning on being in Austria. The following week we're going to be in, in Montenegro. You know, it, it didn't work like that. But but we did. So that allowed us the freedom to go ahead and be super flexible. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it, a lot of what we did was based on sort of us getting our work done and the kids getting their schoolwork done. So we had to be a little bit rigid in terms of what we did with our time and how we managed it because mm-hmm. we could not be traveling 24 hours a day. Right. Um, but I think there was a lot of opportunity to say, I really like where I'm at and I'm going to stick around here a little bit further. And um, being that you know, because when you're, when you're, when you're living in an RV, you learn how to become as mobile as it comes, right? Yeah. You know, there are no boundaries as to where you're living, you know, with respect to work or anything else of, of the sort. So you start to realize that things are possible. One of the things that we added into our, our RV experience was we did a 44 day hike uh, along the Camino de Santiago. So we, we hiked <gasps> no. from yeah, no, oh, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. Fabulous. So oh. we went ahead after spending three months in Morocco. Um, we said, we're going to go ahead and do this, you know, month and a half long hike. And we started off, you know, in Northern France. And then we hiked all along sort of the Northern, Northern part of Spain as until we got to the, the Atlantic coast. And it was amazing. And, and the only reason why we were able to do that, and the only reason why we were capable of sort of putting this into our, this is possible list is because of the fact that we were, we were making this RV journey work. And the only reason why the RV journey worked is because of the fact that we were, we learned to be flexible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a great, that's very great. I, I totally agree with Will. Um, Some of the times, like he said, our, our schedule was sometimes dictated by other things that we had no control over um, because we still needed to make money. Our kids needed to school and we did have some guests that came. Um, but the ability to be flexible, to be in a country and say, okay, we're going to stay two more days because we really like this or we like the people or we like, we want to learn more, um, I think was really crucial in, in, in our success and our happiness in that. And just to kind of go a little bit further with that, I think staying open to meeting people and, and talking with them and hearing their experiences and asking for their help, like mm-hmm. the whole connection of anything you have with people you meet along the way is really important as yeah. well in, in the whole process of RVing, caravanning. Because it's a different, it's a different style of travel because you're not going into your Airbnb and completely isolated. You know, you'll find wild camping and there'll be someone else there and, and you'll and you'll be chatting with them and you'll learn something or they'll be able to do a repair on your van that you might need something you might need help with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to kind to definitely connect, obviously have your individual journey, um, but also connect with people along the way that connecting with the people greatly enriched our European RV experience. Yes. No, I 110%. Sometimes I think too, you know, I look back on a lot of the travels I've done and the amazing things I've done, but sometimes what comes to mind first is the people I met along the way. Um, Because especially in this crazy world and the news cycle and, 
everything we see day to day when you stay put, it can be very daunting. And when you get on the road, you really are reminded how amazing people are. I totally, totally agree. And I think that's one thing that Will and I always say, you know, especially especially since we, the, the U.S. has been so volatile lately and there's been a lack of kind of humanitarianism. I, we're constantly telling people, stop watching the news, go out when the doors open, get out and travel, and your opinion of people will change tremendously. Yeah. We have had, I can count the bad experiences we have had on one hand and literally on one hand, mm-hmm. but I can go on and on. I could, Will and I could do a whole podcast about all the people <laughs> that have been so kind and generous and wonderful to us. And it, it really makes you look at humanity so so differently oh yeah absolutely now I'm I'm gonna jump because you mentioned you threw me a curveball there and you mentioned the Camino de Santiago because (laughs) I am obsessed I haven't done it but it is on my absolute it's like the top of my bucket list must do and I always for some reason I said I'm gonna do it when I'm 40 I don't know why I have that in my mind but I do Can you tell me a bit more about your experience on the Camino? Because I think people just need to hear it. It was, it was mind blowing. Now, so most people that go on the Camino have a direct purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, They're either, um, they're struggling with something. They've had some trauma. Um, It's a life change. It's a life. They want a life change. They're on, they're seeking something greater um, than just a long walk. Will and I went on it with the kids Um, because we wanted to take a long walk and we wanted to have time with our kids to just walk and talk without RV repairs and school and work and everything that everyone else has in their normal life. Although we still did work, but we, yeah, we still, we still did work about five hours a day. Um, so that was our main reason for going on it. And our second reason was so that our kids could see how strong their bodies were and what they were capable of. Yes. And we got, you know, we, like we said, we made a huge life change in 2014. So we, d- we never think our life is perfect and that there's no room for growth. We always know there's room for growth, mm-hmm. but we didn't go into it. W- this for the same reason that about 90% of the people we met on the Camino went into it. However, what we got out of it was much more than we anticipated. We just thought we would get time with our kids and a little bit of time to breathe and, and get in better shape maybe, um, it was such an amazing time for us. And I think that I really truly believe that everyone in their life needs to take a nice long walk mm-hmm. and they need to do it before they retire. And as Americans, it's not built into our culture to do that. Right. Um, normally you'd have to completely change jobs because your boss isn't going to give you a month and a half off, but I think it's crucial. And if I could have my way, everyone would do it every decade just to walk and think about where you are in life, what you want your life to look like, um, you know, the things that you're going through, because normally we have what, 15 minutes in the car on the way to get our Starbucks or something to think about life. And we never completely dive deep into, am I really living the way I want to live? Cause it's just not, you can't make that decision in an hour conversation in your head while you're driving to work. Right. Right. And a nice long walk like that gives you that opportunity to do that. And Will and I talked a lot about the business and the direction we wanted to go it to go in without any interruptions. Um, our daughter and son had some amazing times just walking, just the tightening their bond. So our daughter loves to read. Sometimes she read while she walked. We Aww. talked about the birds. I mean, it was it was it was a profound experience internally, yes, as a family, but beyond that, the people we met 
and their stories were so powerful. It's the coolest thing you'll ever do in your life. Yeah. Without, without, uh, without question. I totally agree. It, it's the, it is, it is without, without a doubt, the people you will meet, you'll meet some people who truly inspire and you'll meet some people going, um, you should have done this 10 years ago. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. But you know what? You will walk away with, with a, I mean, cause think about it. When was the last time you had like, you know, 30 plus days just to totally be in your head. Just think. Yeah. And just, just think. think. And then not only that, but they'll have, you know, hundreds of other people, not necessarily like that next to you, but sort of, you know, that cross your path are also on a similar type of journey of the mind and are, we call it, we call the Camino like free therapy because <laughs> everyone is out there sort of doing the, doing it their way for their own reason. And everyone's got a story to tell and everyone's got a story to listen to. And no one's going to sit around going, don't talk to me. And the ones that say, don't talk to me, you just don't talk to me and you move on. But you, you basically, you start to realize that, you know, everyone has similar passions. Everyone has similar issues. And, you know, those things that sort of maybe, you know, troubling you are the same things that are troubling other people. And you're not sort of alone in this life. And, and it's really cool. The, the, one of the things that, that struck us regarding um, the Camino, and once again, you know, we, we, we try and frame everything with respect to how it impacts the kids because, you know, that's, that's sort of our premise for just about everything we do in life. Um, it's going to be a sad day when, when they leave us, but, <laughs> um, but basically, um, you know, we, 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 we challenged the kids to go ahead and not every day because that's kind of weird, but we, we asked them to go ahead and when they spoke to other people, um, ask them about their life, ask them what they did with their, their, their career path and so forth and so on so that they can get an idea of, you know, what is, cause I mean, think about it. It's like the ultimate career fair as well. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to other people who've done other things, you can get an idea of sort of what they've done and how they like it and how they don't like it. You know, um, the sad part is that for the most part, people who are on the Camino don't, they hate their job. So yeah. <laughs> there well, I think the kids got a whole, the kids got a whole education, um, from the older people that were walking about regret, which I think was really powerful. People mm-hmm. were so honest. I've never met so many honest people in their life. And they would say to the kids, you know, d- 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 take these risks, take these adventures, even after you're out of your parents' house, do this, do that, because I'm 70 and finally walking the Camino. And I wanted to do it 30 years ago, but oh. I was afraid. I was afraid I'd lose my job. I was afraid my wife would be upset. I was afraid this, you know, now my wife's passed away and I'm doing it alone. And they heard all, they heard a lot of sad stories. Um, which did impact them in a way where they really thought deeper about their paths in life and what they want to do in their journey. And I think I'm grateful, eternally grateful for the people on the Camino who were so kind to the kids and so honest because it was incredibly helpful. You have to do it. Absolutely. I think, (laughs) how old are you now? (laughs) Do it next year. Yeah, I'm 35 and it's going to happen. Um, And that's what, and I think that lesson too, just about, um, so Andrew and I, we both had COVID in March and I've been working here in Melbourne at some of the hospitals and I say working loosely, but visiting with elderly patients while they couldn't have visitors because I was low risk. I'd already had it. I had the antibodies. Um, so I would just go in and visit and chat with people. And it was quite lovely. All they want to do is chat about their lives. And one woman just struck me so much because she heard we're Canadian and she heard I was Canadian. And she said her light, she was late fifties. And she said her life dream had been to go whale watching in Canada. It was all she ever wanted to do. And she was really raised that you travel and do those things when you retire. And now that she's late fifties, still pretty young, I think, uh, she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and 
She only has a few months left. And she said, the one thing she loves about our generation now is that we just do the things. We're not waiting. We're not making those excuses. We're not, like you said, waiting until the timing's perfect. We're living our dreams. And yeah. I think that's, and, and we listen, we listen to those people. Like I said, we listen to what they say mm-hmm. um, because that is true. You know, we statistically will live into our eighties, but we don't really know. And um, I guess, I guess we're, you know, Will are, Will and I'm in my late forties. We'll just turn 50. Um, we made some really good choices in our younger years and worked really hard, which has afforded us um, the ability to make the choices we've made mm-hmm. um, and still be able to do it while we still have all of our faculties about us and our kids at home. Yeah. Um, but we've realized as we've gotten older, and I see the younger generations doing this, and I think it's incredibly brilliant. You don't need the big house and the two cars mm-hmm. or even a car or the Starbucks, like there's ways around everything. And if you create new habits and new mindsets around it, you can have just as much joy, if anything, richer. Um, We spend far less per month traveling than we ever did living in Boston. Mm. And our life is far, far greater and rich than it, than it was. And we've always enjoyed living in the U S and every city that we've lived in. We never hated our life. We didn't leave because we hated our life. But it is so much profoundly better now. And as we're getting older, we're middle-aged now. We are hypersensitive to the fact that, that you we're know, middle-aged. That we're middle-aged. <laughs> I don't think of you as but, middle-aged, but. <laughs> but that <laughs> but late 40s is the new, what, 30? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we, we do, every decision we make, we talk about, will we regret this, you know, and, and will that time come where we can't do things? And I think mm-hmm. that that, that you know, woman telling you that is really, it's, I'm sure it was hard to hear. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was very enlightening as well. And I, I do agree with her, the younger generation, they're just, I don't know. I can't stand it when people our age say, oh, the people in their twenties now, I think they're amazing. They're fighting for equality and they, they just get it all. And they, their, their focus is not in the material possessions. It's in living life and creating memories. And I'm just, I'm humble because we were not ever in our twenties. That was not our psyche. Our psyche was to climb the corporate ladder and buy more stuff and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. And, um, you know, I don't see the younger generations doing that now. And it's just fabulous. Yeah. I think they used to talk about a thing called the quarter life crisis that people would have when they turned 25, because people thought they'd be further in life. They thought they'd have a better job. They thought they'd be married, thought they had kids. And I would hear about that. And I would always laugh and be like, that's never going to happen to me. And what happened was when I turned 25, it wasn't until the day I did turn 25, I had a a reverse quarter life crisis because I had bought a house and I had a long-term partner and I had all those things. And I knew in my heart, it wasn't for me what I was supposed to be doing. And I think that was when I sort of, because a lot of people now they take their gap year, they start traveling really young. Whereas I didn't really travel anywhere until I was 26. Um, That was when I rented my house out. I moved to London um, and just took off because yeah, life is too short to have those, you know, and I, I, like, we always say, if you love your job and you're passionate about what you do, like do that and pursue that. And we're not trying to minimize that in any way, but if you're doing that, cause it's what society's told you you're supposed to do, then you need to reflect on that a little bit. Um, if that's really what you want. So absolutely. 
so you've got a really profound moment yeah yeah (laughs) i know know, because i'm like i'm sitting i'm sitting there going we're just contemplating which single wow you're really well you know because she said she did this at 27 and i was thinking like where we were at 27 and i i married you just shy of my 28th birthday and Mm -hmm. i we were just i was just not i was not anywhere I guess, I don't know if advanced is the right word or enlightened like you were at that age. I mean, it's, we were, it, it, I'm on, looking me, at it going. Let me just pause for a second because actually in that moment, we were just listening to you as we would in the podcast and we we're like going, what are they going to say next? Oh, wait, it's us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know my, honestly, my mouth was like, my mouth was opening because I was thinking 27, where were we at 27? And I was really going, wow, like that's so impressive because oh. at 27, you know, many people would say, well, I've just got to stay. I've got this house. This is what society wants me to do. If I step away from this, will I never get back? Yada, yada, yada. And so I, I just, I just want to say, wow, honestly, good for you. Like you give, you give me so much hope for younger generations. And it really is. It's, it's, I know I'm going to assume what you did probably wasn't easy. You probably had pressure from family and friends, people. I mean, we had it and we were in our early forties that we were screwing up our career, that we were being selfish, that we were ruining our kid's life, that we weren't giving them the American dream that everyone dreams of and wants and wants to come to the U S for. And we just, we just got a, we had a lot of amazing support, but we also had a lot of backlash and I can only imagine that someone in 27 doing this would probably get even more because people are probably saying, well, you're 27. You just don't know about life. And once you get older, you'll understand. And, you know, and I, and we get that now, even from people that are in their seventies saying, well, you don't understand because you're still young. Um, So I, I just want to like, give you like a high five and like clap out loud because right back at you. I think that that's hard to do. I hard to do. And I'm sure you had a lot of pressure and people saying, you know, what's wrong with you. And I think it takes a lot of strength to kind of push past that. And Will and I have had a lot of experience of kind of living um, on a different path in our own way. And it's taken us a while to get very thick skinned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it's even harder when you're, when you're, when you're younger, because you don't know if it's all going to work out because um, you don't have the hindsight, but you just follow your heart and it works. Exactly. I think, I, in terms of in terms of actually giving, uh, you know, an, uh, an idea of what, oh, mercy, you know, in terms of doing it for yourself, because at the end of the day, you know, you, you're living a life that is sort of predestined to you by sort of generations, right? You know, you're living a life that is, you know, my parents did it this way, I should do it this way, media says I should do it this way, sort of conventional wisdom says yeah. I should do it this way as opposed to sort of doing it a way that maybe may make me happier. But mm-hmm. the, the idea is, you know, for, for Jessica and I is that, you know, we live through hard times a lot. You well, know, we've we, had more hard times since we started traveling than we did before. Right, for right. sure. You know, I mean, as you know, you know, when, when you go ahead and choose to live life a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the world does not always sort of see it your way. In right. fact, they almost sometimes want to penalize you because you're not doing it their way. Yeah, we've experienced an enormous amount of discrimination because of our lifestyle choice. Absolutely. And oh, and wow. it's it, you know it's not it's not to go ahead and sort of be you know have angst towards it because you know we're doing it we we're we're comfortable living uncomfortable. Yeah. And and that and that's fine. But you have to be so 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 um, convinced of your of your life decisions at that point because it's so easy to sort of slip back into normal. It's so easy to slip yeah. back into sort of a routine that is supported by by you know what everyone else has done and sort of 
and as proven to be tried and true. But is you know is it is it is it really a life worth living? You know, at the end of the day, and and for us, you know, we've realized that you have to have some pain to sort of get the true joy <laughs> that is that is living life by your own means and by your own sort of convictions and not because, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and, you know, whether that happens, you know, at, at, you know, the quarter century or whatever it may be, I think, I think it is required. And uh, hopefully, you know, when, when people hear this, you know, that they realize that it's not too late. And and that, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's really the big takeaway that, that we've had when, it, when we talk to other people is that it's not too late. That's really not. Right. And, and that would, that's what drives us. Like, like, like you said, you know, when you, when you talk to other travelers, you know, that for me is the inspiration above all. And, and I know that we've been doing this now for, you know, six plus years. And it seems like in our lifetime, it seems like a lot, but you know, in, in, in a, in a in, in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things, it's not yeah. that long. Honestly, it's it's hardly a blink. But we we tr- we we continually get that inspiration from other people to continually push forward, whether it's from those who are still sort of in their the the grind, so to speak, or those who are sort of doing it by far more adventurous and more beyond there than we are doing it. <laughs> you know, we we get inspiration from all because you know. It's it's the it's the amalgamation of all of the experiences that sort of helps you define what you want your life to be, and you just have to be willing to go ahead and say, "I'm willing to learn." I'm going to bring in a Camino reference here. Okay, our dear friend OK or AK um, on the Camino, and if you watch our Camino vlogs, you'll see him. He's in a lot of them. He was in his late 60s when he hiked the Camino, mm-hmm. and he had had this profound moment in his life where he had had two strokes um, and he wasn't sure that he, you know, he, he had to change his life or he wasn't going to live longer basically. Mm-hmm. So he started eating vegetarian. He started doing, I think Pilates meditation and he hiked the Camino. And I think that in, I thought of that when Will said it's not too late, you know, many people at that point in their life are set in their routine and their schedule and who they think they should be. And they don't want to disappoint family and friends and they won't make the changes. And he made the necessary changes. He's hiked a second Camino now and he's much healthier and he's Mm. happy. And he says he's enlightened and he's got a grandchild now. And so I think, I think, you know, like Will said, it's, it's never, it's not too late. It's really, really not too late to kind to take those big, big jumps. I know they're scary, um, but to just take them. Amazing. And well, you kind of beat me to the punch there. I was actually going to ask you if there's anyone specific who stands out in your mind when from your travels, but it sounds like he fits that bill. That's incredible. Um, there's a, there's a lot of people too. I just, I just want to kind of give like a blanket statement to that mm-hmm. as well. There are so many people who have offered us assistance and help and said, come eat dinner at my mom's house. Here's her phone number. Mm. It happened a lot in Morocco. Um, people have been very, very generous with us. And although we may not remember every name, often we remember every situation and something yeah. will happen. And we're like, remember that guy when we were in Marrakesh who gave us this thing? And then we had coffee with him on the side of his, you know, shop street on those little chairs or something like that. So there's, there's a lot of people in our travels who have deeply, deeply impacted us. There's a lot of people um, in our YouTube community, um, people who email us that have been so kind and so generous. It, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Obviously, like anyone who lives a life um, different, we have our critics, um, yeah. you know, and people, you know, there are naysayers and there are people that will be mean and whatnot. But overall, we're very, very fortunate to have so many 
amazing people pass through our lives. I was going to say it's hard to bring this full circle because, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're if you're looking for a a, a, a true sort of selfish binge, um, the stuff that we recorded on the Camino was 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 really cool. We did we did a daily vlog, um, and it was. Oh, I think I'm going to be binging. I'm pretty I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of what we did. Anyway, so <laughs> it, it's essentially like starting from. Day, day zero yeah. all the way through to the end, including a recap. Um, yeah, it, I think it's, it's pretty well. But some all, of the work I'm, I'm the most proud of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's really quite great. Um, and we go through a lot of just sort of our own little journeys and so forth and so on um, in there. It's not just like, oh, check out this church. It, it basically, but taking it from there to what Jessica was saying about how, you know, we have people who are in, in this great community of, of, you know, people who we draw inspiration from. Um, the same way that we got our inspiration from the people that we saw in the RV sort of traveling around now on the boat, because of the fact that we haven't sailed one day and because of the fact that we're in COVID and, you know, things are the way they are, it doesn't mean that, that the community is not there. Our community just now exists on YouTube and on Instagram and so forth and so on. And we're getting tips and tricks and ideas and sort of inspiration to say, you know, chin up guys, you guys got this on a daily basis in, in sort of in all the comments and emails we receive. It's it, amazing. It really is. It's so cool. It's so heartwarming. To it see really... everyone sort of just say, you know what? Um, I think that, you know, you guys are either going to make this happen or I hope one day that you guys do make this happen because I want to sort of follow your lead. Yeah. And it, it you know, we're, we're super excited about that. Oh, I love it. And I think like YouTube channels like yours are so important because for the people, like we're used to the fact that there's naysayers and you got to brush it off. But there's people thinking about traveling who are surrounded by naysayers and they don't necessarily have that community of support yet. So I think YouTube channels like yours are so important because, yeah, you are those people for them. And that's an incredible thing. Um, and talk- I think that's – oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. I think it, it – I, I agree with you. And I think what the, these YouTube channels do, ours included, is it normalizes – what we're doing because when you're living your traditional stationary life, you, you think you're crazy and everyone's telling you you're crazy, that this is not, this is not normal. And it drives me bonkers when someone says our life is not normal because normal for you and normal for me and normal for a woman in India are all different. It doesn't mean that one of our normals is wrong. So I'm always saying, but this is our normal and this is what works for us. And so we shouldn't judge, you know, what someone else's is normal is. And, but it's hard to kind of look at all that when you're living your traditional life and everyone's saying, but this is not right. So I think, you know, one of the advantages of watching YouTube channels um, is that you get to see, at least for us, we present the good, the bad, the ugly, the reality of it. We're a normal family. We're not rich. We're not sponsored. Um, we're just two people who said, we're going to make this happen. And we're just going to put all in and, and do this, this big dream of ours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're doing it. And I think it's really important for people to see that there are, you know, other people like them out there doing this. We started off just like everyone else we had, you know, we had, um, we've, we've lived in big cities in, in around the U S but, um, and we were living in right in Boston when we took off. But, but previously before that we were four months in a suburb and we'll had a corporate job and I had a design job where I worked from home and we had two kids and we were overextended and private school bills and yada, 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 like everyone else. Um, and, and we did this, you know, there's nothing special about us. We're not trust funded. We're not, um, you know, we're not famous. There's just nothing, there's nothing different than us about us than anyone else out there. Mm -hmm. We just, we just committed to do it. And when Will said, 
Will said, you know, you have to be willing. I think you said to suffer a little bit. It's funny because we tell our clients, we say there are two things you better be prepared for. One, you need to be willing to suffer a bit. And two, you need to be willing to be an unknown. So you're not going to go to the coffee shop and run into people, you know, your neighbor's not going to come over and say hi. And when we tell our clients this, there's a bit of a gasp at first. They're like, and we're like, it's okay. It's not all the time. It's not constant. You'll form your communities. Like outside of COVID, we have friends all over the world. So we're constantly social and around people and we don't feel so alone and unknown as we did and plus we have you know friends that we've met through um, social media which is amazing as well Um, we do suffer still um, but it comes in pockets right it comes in in little pockets here and there it's funny because when we say that to people they say well can't you candy coat and just say you're gonna struggle (laughs) yeah we could (laughs) but but it's a lot of struggle you know and 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 just you know let's just be real about it so nevertheless you know it's it goes back like anything else, you know, the reason, you know, why you choose to do what you do and sort of is, is the end justifying the means. And for us, yeah, yeah absolutely. Does. And I think yeah. it's important to remember people are going to life is life is suffering sometimes and you can suffer in the comfort of your home doing the same thing every day, or you can suffer exploring the world and opening your mind and either way, the suffering comes regardless. I think it's funny you say that because so many people will message us and say, oh, you guys are the perfect family. You never fight and your kids never fight. And, you know, and I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, we fight, our kids fight. We have dirty laundry. Clearly our toilets get clogged. We pay bills. (laughs) You know, we have moments of struggle. COVID hit us hard as well. And the only difference is that we're doing it from um, a different backdrop. You know, our backdrop is ever changing, but we still have to do everything everyone else is doing because we're not on like a one or two year sabbatical where we've saved money. We still have to work in school and do all that kind stuff along the way sorry I got a lot I just did what you did earlier I was like so into the story that I didn't think of what to say next (laughs) so I've got to ask you you're kind of on a COVID pause you're learning the boat what is next for you on your adventure well if 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 last night's presidential address here in France would have gone the way we wanted to we would be preparing to go ahead and uh, let loose the lines and start our sailing lessons On next Monday. weekend. But um, sort of, it looks like they're they're looking to to month. keep things locked down for another month here. So, oh wow, we're gonna do what other people do, and that is uh, chin up and and sort of live life one day at a time. Well, I think. We, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. We have a travel-based business where we run group trips and obviously that's on pause right now, Yeah. but the overwhelming desire for people to get back out there is unbelievable. And the emails and stuff we're getting. So my goal for the next month is going to be to build it. You, that was used to be a part of our, just our worldtowning.com website, but I'm building a whole separate website with trips that we're going to launch in 2022. Okay. Um, and I'm going to focus on that and get the ball rolling on that. We're going to learn more of the boat, learn how to fix some more things. We're doing a lot of projects. The kids are going to work ahead on their schooling and, and we're, we're Americans. So we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving and we're going to celebrate Christmas as well. So I think, I think we're going to be pretty busy, even yeah. though we're not leaving the dock. <laughs> yeah. um, and because we have kids, on the boat we're going to intentionally break things although we don't plan on and we're going to learn how to repair them on our own <laughs> i mean that's the best way to learn exactly right, right. So, and hopefully by the end of december beginning of january we'll start our sailing lessons yeah and our goal our, our 
big goal is to get ourselves to Greece and sail around Greece for the summer and then head back and cross the Atlantic in November of 2021 um, with crew because we will only have under a year experience sailing. Mm -hmm. So we'll take two experienced people with us to cross the Atlantic and um, head that way for a bit. Because we're tired of being cold. (laughs) That sounds absolutely incredible. Where can people follow you along on this journey? We are world towning on all social media. So our YouTube channel, we post once a week, just adventures of travel. Um, there's a lot of videos there all the way back from the beginning or almost the beginning. Um, and then we're on Instagram and Facebook and everything else. And if people have any questions, they can go to a worldtowning.com website and they can shoot me an email. Amazing. And I'm pretty sure everyone listening today has gotten so much inspiration from you both. I know I certainly have. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show and I'm just really excited for your post-lockdown adventures and everything coming up for you. So are we. Thank you so much for having us. It was really fun. And I, I love your thoughts as well. You, you had us mouth dropped open there, which you, <laughs> Will and I talk a lot. And that doesn't happen too much. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. Donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching All the Shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.